Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. We've been talking in this house about uh, building the family altar. What are the things that our kids need to know about faith? One of the cool things is that Advent is one of these built-in things. It's like automatically has some of the pieces that are super necessary for us to understand salvation. And so let me just read you. I, I found this blog by Amy Lines, and this is her story. She said, Advent hasn't always meant so much to me. Growing up, I knew about the Christmas story, but I never knew its significance. My wider family were Christians, but my parents weren't. My mom had a set of little nativity figures that we'd get up to the lead up to Christmas and add some each week to the story displayed on the table, but it was just that. It was a story. As I got older, Advent became more about the fabric calendar that my mother made for me with little presents inside. Instead of the little wooden figure of baby Jesus inside a, major, a manger, um, it became, sorry, became more about the presents instead of the wooden figure of baby Jesus inside a manger. I became a Christian at 16 years old when Jesus spoke to my heart and I realized that he wasn't just a story, he was real. I gave my life to him and suddenly I knew the reason for the season was the person of Jesus. But much more than that, his plan to rescue us and bring us back into relationship with God. And when it came around to Christmas that year, all of the gifts weren't as important as the gift I'd just received. How could chocolate or a new pen or a watch compared to eternal life freedom, and peace I'd never known. The realization that I was loved, accepted, and wanted so much by the Creator God that He'd sent His Son to earth just blew my mind. As I counted down the days to Christmas Day, I was overwhelmed with all the feelings and all the ways that God cared for me. I saw the story come alive. Jesus could relate to me in all my human fragility, and yet his perfect nature as God meant he wasn't a helpless baby in a manger, but the savior who bore all my sin and shame and pain on the cross. Now, as a parent, I want Advent to be so much more than rushing around competing, uh, completing Christmas shopping and waiting in lines for Black Friday. Did anybody do that this year, this week? Mm -hmm. Yeah, or giving my kids a chocolate calendar with elves behind every door. This year, I've made our own Advent calendar complete with pictures to color in a snippet of the Christmas story, a prayer, and a question for uh, dinnertime discussions around the table. I wanted to make an interactive calendar that the whole family could explore together. As I prepared it, though, God brought to life so many more angles of his story that I'd missed over the years. It was as though I was seeing the story again for the first time. I sensed the Holy Spirit speak to me about my life as I chewed over the verses in Luke and Matthew that I'd read so many times before. Was I doubting God like Zechariah did when the angel came to him? Or was I trusting in the unseen like the magi following the star? Was I persevering in my search for Jesus like the wise men did? Do I worship in my uncertainty and my future of my future like Mary did? I thought about the smaller things, the unknown and unsaid aspects of their journey. What did they eat on their journey to Bethlehem? And did they worry that God wouldn't provide like I often do? The diversity of the crowd around the manger all coming together as one people to worship. It broke my heart as I saw it represented God's kingdom and his heart for his church to be one people. What started as a great craft idea for my blog and my kids became so much more. I reflected on all the people and situations involved in this uh, well-known but often sidelined Christmas story. And I saw the depths of God's intricate new plans in a new way. 
I've often heard preachers say, if no one else believed it but me, it would still have been worth it. And today I'm more convinced than ever that this is true, that God's plans for me are good, that he is good, that I'm so valuable to him. And he's proved that by going to all these lengths to prepare so many details so that on June 12, 2005, my eyes would be open to see how high and how wide and how deep is his love for me. So this Advent, you may find me frantically wondering where to buy Christmas decorations and presents, but at some point in each day, you can know I'll sit with my kids with our coloring pens out, talking about the reason for the season. I can't wait to see them learn that their story is part of God's greater Christmas story. Isn't that good? What I love about this is the purposefulness of which she's approaching. And you don't see anything in there about, you know, the specific candles that have to be lit and the specific way and the specific order that things have to be done. And that's one of the things that I, I tend to separate off a little bit. You know, some of the stuff that, because we always did it that way, you know, there's, there's certain colors of candles and there's certain wreaths and certain things that can be used. That's the part that I push against because somebody at some point decided it was significant. And, you know, maybe it doesn't carry the same significance necessarily for everybody right now. But what is important is that there is a journey of the heart that is helped through the process of this season when we're tender, when we're open, when we're, we're ready to hear something, we're ready to meditate on who God is. And it's such a sad thing when we let our kids cross over into here's your advent calendar, it's 24 days until Santa comes. We miss an opportunity. That same anticipation that our commercial uh, engineers have come up with an understanding, man, get your kids excited for Christmas, soak them up so that they, you know, they want the stuff. They understand that the mind needs to be prepared to anticipate. The mind needs to be prepared to expect. And so we have this opportunity with our kids. Yes, eat the chocolate, open the, open the things for sure, but connect it to the story. And as adults, connect it to the story. We get this opportunity once a year. It happens all year long. And this was always my thing was like, I, you know, I honor Jesus every day of the year. I don't necessarily need a month of Christmas. Or do I? Because 11 months out of the year, I am bombarded with other thoughts, other things, other stuff, other busyness, other issues. And there's this moment that you can't even help it. You put on the Christmas lights, you light candles, you, you do this stuff, and you kind of just want to sit and be. And you can either lose yourself in the 97th Hallmark movie, or you can lose yourself in the story of real love. And that story will change your life forever. I know that this year has been a really hard year for a lot of people. It's even, it's hard for our family. Christmas has become a season that the anniversary dates of hard things happens in this time of year. And it's very tempting to say, I want to skip Christmas. Let's just, let's just get to Easter. Let's just, let's just cross over. Well, Easter doesn't happen without Christmas. And so walking through Advent brings us there. The interesting thing about Advent, just for our information, for those of us who are newer to this, Advent literally comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning the coming or the arrival. It's translated from the Greek, which means to be near or to return. Now, the interesting thing about that, the fact that it's translated from the Greek, that it means to return, is almost every time it's used in the Bible, it's talking about Jesus coming back for us. 
So it's not just what has been, it's what's about to be. It's the coming together of the Jesus came so that we could experience him now, so that we'll experience him in the future. This is a grounding point for us. This, the celebration of Advent is the coming together of these things. The Bible Project puts it this way. You look forward by looking backward, trusting nothing but God's character. And so we, we lean into the fact that God was true to his promise before. For thousands of years, Israel waited for the Messiah. They waited for Jesus to come. They waited for this promised one who would come and save the people from their sins. They waited and God came through. And now we on the other side of that are waiting for the same thing. We're waiting for the second coming. We're waiting for Jesus to come and take us home. We're waiting for that eternal picture. That's the hope that is before us. And that's what we step into. Historically speaking, and I think that this is super fun, is that when you, when you look back and you go, why do we do this? It's great to know that like Nestle didn't come up with advent calendars. You know, they didn't. Advent is this thing that has come, come through the centuries. It's come through hundreds and hundreds of years. The first mention of it um, basically was in 380 AD. So when we talk about what are the pillars of the church, what are the stones, what are the things that we build our life on, what is, what is the core things of the faith, it tells us that if these things, the elements of Advent, the elements of celebrating his coming, have survived for these many years... It's a big deal. And so whether you're Catholic, Anglican, Presbyterian, charismatic, Pentecostal, whatever, we all celebrate the coming. We all celebrate the fact that Jesus came, that he paid a price for us, that he died on the cross, that he rose again, that he ascended, and that he's coming again, that we have an eternal hope. This is a core belief. And so it breaks down into specific words. And if you look at, you know, back through history, how would you teach the, the, the things of the faith? How would you teach core elements to a generally uneducated people? A generally, you know, unstructured people. How do you, how do you let them know the mysteries of heaven? You attach it to a celebration. The same way that God did all through the Old Testament, all of the Jewish celebrations, do this, eat this way, celebrate like this, party this way, take seven days to do this, take three days to do that. Why did God do that? Because when they stopped to celebrate, they recounted who God is. They recounted his nature. They recounted his heart. They recounted uh, who God really was to them. And so in Advent, we, we go through, basically there's a few different um, words that we cover, but essentially it's the four weeks leading up to Christmas. And so contrary to your purchased Advent calendar, it does not start on December 1st. For Christians, it's starting the Sunday before because there's four key points that we want to hit. And we're going to do this as a church. We're going to walk through this. And the cool thing is, is that originally how it was set up is that the two weeks were focused on Jesus's birth, like in Bethlehem, and two weeks were focused on his return. And really, you need them both. We need both. And so I feel like that's the, the grounding place for our hearts. It's the place where not just do we, do we have to celebrate Christmas, but we get to. And if we anchor it in the right places, it's so worth it. So the, the two weeks spent honoring Jesus as a baby is like John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
And two weeks spent on reflection and preparation for his second coming, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Man, this is life. This is hope. This is what's ahead of us. And so what we're saying when we talk about, are we going to celebrate Advent? I'm not so much worried about the, you know, how many candles we should light and what color they should be and whatever. But are we allowing our hearts to engage and to be rebuilt, to be strengthened in, and honored in, in, um, in honoring him? We look back in celebration and we look forward in expectation. That's Advent. It's the package. So we look back in celebration and we look forward in expectation. For those who it's been a really hard year, maybe you've had loss, maybe you've been struggling, you're like, I don't, I'm not feeling the look back in celebration right now. Like, I'm so grateful Jesus came. I'm so grateful he loved me, but I don't have a much celebration on the inside. It's okay to look forward in expectation then. Maybe this is the year that wing of the bird flaps a little harder. I look forward in expectation, but... I do need to celebrate. I do need to honor this. It's, it's the looking back in remembrance and looking forward in anticipation. And it's really hard to look forward in anticipation if I don't look back in remembrance. If I don't anchor myself on the fact that God has been good, it's hard for me to lean into and God will be good. If I don't recognize that God has been faithful to his word, then it's hard for me to anticipate and God will be faithful to his word. I mean, honestly, we are hanging on in this moment in history. We need to know that there is a hope outside what we're dealing with right now. It is getting darker and darker and darker, and therefore there is a greater and greater and greater need for the light. Advent is the coming together of what has been and what will be. It's Jesus came, it's he dwells with us by the Holy Spirit, and it is he is returning. And he is the light of the world. So when we talk about why do we light candles that's so weird, that's so, you know, churchy, whatever, he's the light of the world. Symbolically, it's no different than with your children when they're learning something, they learn by object lessons. They learn by an example that's set before them of something that works this way and it helps them remember this is the real truth. And so for us, lighting candles, it does something in our mind that reminds us who Jesus really is. So flip with me to John 1, and we're going to just read the laydown of Jesus coming and what it is that we're pausing to focus on not just to remember, not out of a pattern, not just because this, you know, this is what churches do, but because, I don't know about you, but my heart needs this month to rest in him. My heart needs to be reminded that when I am so frustrated and so tired, and I mean, my, my phone was going off all uh, day yesterday with the news announcements of all the crises that are going on. And it was just like, what on earth? You don't even get to stand back up again after you got knocked down from the last one of the next thing that's happening and floods and, you know, variants and blah, blah, blah. There's so much. It's just constant. My heart needs to sit and celebrate what was and anticipate what will be. I need it. I'm guessing you need it too. John 1. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to receive his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this is how it starts. This is the, the beginning of the thing. This light came into the world. The world was in great darkness. If we look back actually through history, you know, we're, we've got these like, you know, romantic ideas of the good old days. They weren't good. They weren't. We have this great gift from God, I think, that our brains focus on the positive highlights, you know, and we, we have these, these imagined ideas of how things were, but before Jesus came into the earth, the earth was in great darkness. It was in great darkness, and in he came. So we're just going to walk through three key points today. Number one, Advent is the arrival. It's the arrival of Jesus. It's the arrival of the light into the world. He was prophesied very specifically by Isaiah. That's where a lot of the really core uh, scripture words, verses were. 700 years before he was born. 700 years. People like studied. People hoped. People prayed. People believed. God, we've seen you do stuff before. We know that our history as a nation, as a Jewish people is marked by your faithfulness, but we need help. We need this promised Messiah. We need this light. We need this one coming into the world. 700 years they waited in hope. And this is today our first candle is the hope candle. And when you look through um, Advent structure there's different different ones different uh, words that get used but the first one is always hope and so when jesus came he was the answer to that he was the the answer to the hope that people carried in their hearts for hundreds of years they didn't know what he would look like they didn't know what he would do they didn't know what messiah actually meant other than he would save them he would be the answer from god for mankind but they had this thing on the inside of them that was hope Bible hope is not the same thing as wishing. I hope this will happen. I hope this will work. Boy, I hope, I hope this will turn out the way I had planned. I hope it works like the box says. I hope it actually shows up the way it looked in that little thing that I passed through on Instagram and I ordered it for Christmas and I'm banking everything on this actually being like it showed in the, the video. Uh, it's not that. Real hope, real Bible hope is an earnest expectation of good based on the nature of God. It's an earnest expectation of good based on the nature of God. So 
without God in the mix, without God being the source of where our hope is founded, we actually don't have any. We actually, we have a lot of wishing. We have a lot of intentions, but we don't have real hope. He is the core of this. So Isaiah 9, 2 and 6, this is one of the, the prophetic scriptures that talked about Jesus. This is why the hope was anchored on something. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light has shined. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Doesn't that sound like what our world needs right now? I mean, that description, that very core thing, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Hundreds of years, they waited, they hoped, they expected, they, they, they anticipated something was coming, couldn't really quite define it, but, but this is the description, it's all good stuff, and they waited. And then John 3, 16 and 17, God comes through. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. God actually came through on the thing that had been promised, on the thing that uh, people had waited for for years and years and years. In fact, there's a guy in the Bible named Simeon who waited his whole life to see it. Other people waited hundreds of years, but he had this sense on the inside, man, I'm on God's, I'm on God's timeline here. The Holy Spirit was upon him and nudged him. And in Luke 2, Starting at verse 25, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and a glory of your people Israel. My eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all the people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. He had this sense by the Holy Spirit that he was in a fullness of time kind of moment, that he wasn't going to die until he saw the coming of the Messiah. There is a specific time that he was in, and he spoke out. He, he identified, this is the one we've been waiting for. Mary and Joseph, it goes on further, and it says that they were amazed at what he said. I don't know what they thought was happening, but they were amazed at what he said when he identified that Jesus was the Messiah, this clear thing. And so he said, this is, my eyes have seen that the light has now entered. So this is what we celebrate when we set up our nativity scene, when we talk about the baby Jesus. I, I personally, 
I need a Jesus that, yes, started there, but I spend most of my time right now waiting for the one riding on the white horse coming in with that sword in his hand, with that, that, that fire in his eyes, where there's that life of, of, of um, eternal hope that I'm hanging on to. But it starts somewhere. And so we mark this. We mark this is a starting period. This is where God came through, and history tells us that it happened. And so he arrived. The first time he arrived, we celebrate that. And it says that he came and there would be light that was there available for all people. But number two with Advent is acceptance. So keeping in mind, Advent means the coming. With the coming, there's the reality that Jesus came. It actually happened. He actually was the answer to the promise, the prophetic word that was given. He actually was the answer to the things that were prayed for hundreds of years. He was the plan of God. He made life and light available to all, which means nothing at all without acceptance. It's like having that advent calendar and leaving all the windows closed. Great. It's available. There's something there. There's something behind those little doors. But I have to actually choose to accept it. Just because there's a promise does not mean that we suddenly partake of the gift. Specifically, John 1, uh, when it's talking about the light coming, verse 10 to 12 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But... As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. For people who say, well, God came to the earth, obviously we're going to celebrate Christmas, yay, Jesus came, God loves the world, blah. We don't become the children of God until we accept the gift that was given. It's, it's an important piece. Our children, when we're talking Advent, this is something that we get to sit and talk to them about. Jesus came into the world. Jesus came, he, he, he stepped out of heaven, came into the earth to be that, that uh, conduit, to be the one who laid down his life for us. But we have to choose to accept him or not. We choose whether we receive him or not. For us in our, in our ongoing life, it is good to pause and remember that. Why? I'm born again. I've made the decision. Great. Every day I need him. Every day I need to know that there is the promise of his presence. I need to know he's available. I need to know he answers prayer. I need to know that he is, he is ready to walk and talk with me. And I have to accept that. I can carry on about my day and ignore him entirely. I can get busy, so busy celebrating Christmas that I forget Christ, that I forget that there's actually a core truth here that is life-changing, or I can actually receive. Romans 15, 13 said, Now may the hope of God fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's saying, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, it's not until you believe that you access the hope. Are you with me? It's not until we choose to believe that we access the hope. If this is feeling like a hopeless Christmas, it is worth taking some time to pause 
and fix your eyes on the coming, on the advent, on the arrival that has been so that you understand the hope that you carry for what is ahead so that we have that core thing. Joy and peace in believing. The mind has to be told, taught, and encouraged to hope. We have to, we have to cultivate this expectation. We have, to, we have to anticipate. We have to build into it. We have to sow into it. We sow to the things of the spirit versus the things of the flesh. There's a lot of people right now, stuff is just not normal. There is such a temptation on the, on the uh, human level to say it's not, it's not going to be the same Christmas as, as it used to be. You know, we've got family issues, we've got financial issues, we've got government issues, we've got whatever. It's not going to be the same. Take the time to sow to the things of the spirit then. Take the time to invest in the things of the heart. Take the time to do what Abraham did. And there's this really interesting um, passage about Abraham, which is, you know, how God showed up for him, which is what the Jews kind of looked back on. They were like, okay, God showed up for our father we can believe him. But Romans 4, 17 to 21, it's talking about Abraham and it says he believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. Very interesting. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And so what we see in, in Abraham's experience of laying hold of the promise is that he did not choose to look at the natural. He did not choose to look at his own body. He did not choose to look at his own, his wife's body. He did not choose to look at the earthly circumstances. He chose to meditate on who God was and decided that he's faithful, that he's good, that he, he's the kind of God who comes through. He's the one who I trust his word. I am going against what natural hope would be. And I am choosing the hope of God. This year, I believe God is leading us into that place of depth. When we talk about hope, it's not just hope for peace on earth, hope for a better tomorrow, you know, hope, hope that things change, hope we have a government shift, hope we have changes in this sector, hope, hope, hope that there's a breakthrough. It's not that kind of hope. God's stirring us up to expect, to, to dive into the kind of hope that will pull us through whatever is yet coming. Whatever is in front of us, it's the kind of hope that is anchored on who he is. It's the kind of hope that starts with, I know for a fact, history tells us that Jesus came to the earth, that he came as a baby, that he rose, he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross, that he rose again, that he left. I know that that happened and that becomes my anchor. And so right now, because I've accepted that, because I believe that, because I, I choose to receive him, I get to walk with him every day. I have access to the presence of God every day. I have access to who he is, and he knows what I'm going through. He knows what I'm upset about. He knows what I'm crying about. He knows what I'm anxious about. He knows the stuff that's going on on the inside. And so I choose to, instead of ignore him and put up the sparkly lights, I am choosing by putting up the lights. 
God, you came as the light of the world. Jesus, you are the light of the world. Every time, you know, that I purpose, for me personally this year, I have purposefully decorated, as weird as that might sound to some guys, but whatever, not because we always do it, but because I need that constant reminder around me. He came, he's coming again, he didn't leave us alone. He came, he's coming again, he didn't leave us alone. And as dark as it looks, I will put up more lights. In fact, Wayne's on it right now. If you drive past our house, it's, um, it's getting increasingly, um, not, you know, not Griswold, but it's <laughs> festive. We're just going to keep lighting lights. We're just, you know what? The darker it gets, we're going to keep lighting lights. It is time to celebrate the light of the world came and this is our hope. So the final thing then, we have the the advent, the arrival, the acceptance, and then we have the anticipation. And this is what I'm hanging on to. It's the crossover. What has been fuels the what will be. And he is coming again. And even though the world looks like it's lost, and even though people are, are wandering around in this kind of darkness in this place. And it, you start to wonder, you know, in your own mind, the things of the word, it's, it's increasingly seen as crazy or conspiracy or just weird, just lost. You Christians are just strange. You know what? There is a future that is non-negotiable. There is a coming of Christ that is non-negotiable. And in the same way that when Jesus came, people turned away from him and missed it, there will be people that turn away and miss the second coming, which is very sad. But it does not change the anchor that I am anchored to. It does not change the hope that I carry. And so I have no choice, but the harder it gets to, to do life, the more I need to lean into the hope that I have. And the more I need to realize that the same way that Simeon said God showed him the Holy Spirit showed him he would not taste death until the Messiah came. I believe we're in a generation that's feeling very similar. We're in a generation that's going, the time is, is quickly passing. That clock has turned, that there is a, we are kind of in an 11th hour in the kingdom age, and there is a, there is a shift in the church age. There's a, a shift that we need to be aware of. People need you to have hope. People need you to share hope. People need you to be able to give a reason for the hope that is within you. So that anticipation that um, it's, it's called the blessed hope in the word in uh, Titus calls it the blessed hope. And in fact, there's a, a little writing about it in compelling truth, I think it's called. And it says, the blessed hope is defined in Titus 2. And so if you're looking for it, it's Titus 2, 11 uh, to 14. But it says in 13 to 14, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. When the followers of Jesus speak of the blessed hope, they look forward to seeing Jesus. And while we wait, we live godly lives. Titus 2, 11 to 13 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope. Such a good phrase. When we see Jesus, our difficulties on earth will fade away and become a distant path. 
Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Aware of the blessed hope we have, our perspective on suffering on in, uh, sorry, our perspective on suffering and on this world change. And this is the anticipation. Revelations 21, three to five. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, and the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. First Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope is built, it's encouraged, it's trained, it strengthens, and hope rests on something. It rests on that place ahead of us. It rests on that place that we know there will be a time when we get to experience Jesus face to face. It's this description, it's this, there is every tear is wiped away. There is no sadness, there is no pain, there is no suffering. Some of us have lost people this year. They're experiencing that now. If we're focused on the happiness of Christmas and the tradition of what we always do, we just see the loss. If our hope is resting on what is ahead of us, then it's worth celebrating Christmas. It's worth walking through Advent. It's worth making sure our hope is established in a good place because we know that we'll see them again. We know that there is something yet ahead of us. It, it's a... It's a lifeline that we hang on to. Walking through hope this week, it's pausing to say thank you for the birth of Messiah. Thank you, God, for being true to your word. Thank you, God, for sending him. Thank you for the promise revealed. It's saying thank you for the relationship that I have today, that I'm never alone, that because I've accepted you, because I've received you, I'm never alone. And I can sit here in the midst of all the stuff that's going on out there and I can have hope on the inside. I can have peace on the inside. I can have love on the inside. I can have joy on the inside. I can sit in the midst of the darkness and I can live in a great light. It's saying, God, thank you for the promise that is yet to come, that you are about to take me to yourself that this is gonna be just a blip on the timeline, that I get to live with you forever. And there is no tears, there is no pain, there is no suffering, it's eternal joy and eternal life and eternal light. I get to step into that fullness with you. And for those who think that just sounds nuts, I'm happy to stay there. That's my lifeline. God has been faithful in the past, he will be faithful in the future. It's his nature, and that is where my hope is found. I'm gonna have the worship team come, and I wanna just encourage you this morning, for each one of us, um, you know, do the thing. Do, 
get the advent calendar, whatever, you know, maybe you've got one of those really nice, like handcrafted ones. Maybe you need to go get the 99 cent one from the dollar store, whatever. Those chocolates are still good. Um, do something, but I want to encourage you, particularly as, as a heart method, um, get into an Advent devotional. Take this next season and allow God to stir up in you that hope, that peace, that joy, that love, the core truths of what our faith carries, the things that are built on Jesus. We want to get back to that spot. If you don't have one, um, I think Shepherd's Fold has a few uh, books. There's all kinds of kids ones that you can get. Um, if you have the app, we have a link on there for Right Now Media. And the church actually pays a subscription for whoever, whatever families want to make use of it. And what it is, is like an online kind of library. And there's like all sorts of videos and teaching materials and whatever. We will pay to hook you up. Um, you just click on the link on the app and then somebody from the office will set you up with it. But go right on there. There's, there's um, Advent things that you can walk through that way. Teaching on it. Bible app on the YouVersion Bible app. There are Advent calendars right in there that are fantastic. You can do it with other people. You can do like a shared study in the morning. Get your coffee together and even in different locations, you read through that stuff together. But let's take the time to dig in. I believe God's preparing us for something that we can't afford to miss because of our emotions. We have to choose to let our hope rest somewhere. So we look back and we go, you've been faithful. We stand presently and we go, you are faithful. And therefore, looking forward, I know you will be faithful. That's necessary. We all need it. Let's stand together this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for the history of our faith, God, that goes back to the very beginning. We thank you, Lord, that when we start in the book of John, and we see that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. We, we see how you tie together from Genesis to Revelation. You're constant, and you're constantly good. You're constantly faithful. You're constantly true. You're constantly trying to reach us. So God, today, I pray just an extra blessing, an extra grace over this family, whether watching online or here in person that this Advent season, that this celebration of the coming, we would mark where you've come before and we would anticipate your coming again. Lord, that we would be found ready. That Lord, even in that anchoring, that it helps us to get our hearts right before you. It helps us to stay focused, God. It helps us to let go of the things that just really don't matter and be anchored in who you are. Lord, I pray for those that are grieving, those that are struggling, those that are in turmoil in this season. And I just pray that extra measure of grace to walk through this season, Lord. I pray for those quiet moments with you. Lord, in the word, in prayer, by candlelight, by Christmas light, whatever. But those quiet moments, Lord, to just rest our hope in you that we wouldn't just celebrate your arrival, but we would accept it and that we would anticipate what is ahead. 
I pray for divine, Holy Spirit-empowered devotion times, family times, prayer times. God, even in our celebrations, uh, different departments in the church, God, may it just be saturated with your presence. At the very top of this season, God, we determine we do not want to get caught up in the we always do just because we always did. God, we want a fresh revelation of where our anchor is, who, who you really are. I thank you, Lord, for the things that matter to rise to the surface and the rest to just drift away. I pray healing for every broken heart. I pray fresh ideas and creative uh, measures, Lord, for relationships that need to be repaired. And Lord, I thank you for a breath of heaven on hearts that have lost hope in this season. That we choose, God, to not look at the temporal, what is passing away, but we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. And we thank you, Lord, for this hope. We give you the praise and we give you our full attention in this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.